Ephesians 6, beginning in verse 12 again. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything, to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Each time that we read these words that exhort us to put on this full armor of God, we need always to remind ourselves of the reason why God wants us to do that. He loves us with a Father's love, and He wants you and me to be safe as we step out onto that battlefield of this world and as we engage the enemy of our soul in a battle that we really don't know how to fight but that our enemy does. What do I mean? Simply this. The devil has been doing what he does, his evil work, for a long, long time. And he is far better at doing his evil work than we are in trying to figure out how to keep him from it. And that's why God gives us a simple, but our best and our only real protection and that is his armor. Listen again. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything, to stand firm. And then the verse that we will spend the most time on today, verse 16, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. A question that we have addressed most every time that we have studied through these words, who are these evil ones that are spoken about here in this verse? And notice that the Lord repeats their presence all the way through this passage. So who are these evil ones that are spoken about here? You and I need to rehearse these understandings to ourselves every day. Are these evil ones our neighbors? Are they our co-workers? Are they our government? even perhaps some of our family members? And the answer is no. That while, yes, it is their faces that we see, and it is their personal criticisms and their ideas and their agendas that give us difficulty, behind those faces and behind the scenes of their misbehavior, and most often completely unknown to them, lurk these ones that are spoken about here in verse 12. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. These evil ones, as we've said so often, they live within this mysterious darkness that's spoken about here. In this invisible realm, the world's all about us. And no, they are not, as Hollywood would have us to believe, They are not ghosts. They are not spirits of dead people. 
These are real demonic beings, fallen angels who follow after the ways of Satan. And if we're not carefully protected by this armor of God, they can inflict real suffering upon us. But listen, they themselves seldom, if ever, touch us. And that's something you and I need to remember. The demons themselves seldom ever touch us. I really don't know of many places in Scripture that talk about the demons personally attacking us. Instead of them personally attacking us, they use the hands and the hearts and the minds and the tongues of the people around us, influencing and provoking them to do their evil deeds for them. And the saddest reality is some of those people really are our own family members. They're our neighbors. They're our co-workers. And they are our government. I recognize each time that I say things like this that most of the people who would hear these words get very uneasy thinking about demons and about demonic influence and such things as that. And so do I. So do I. But listen, on the authority of this Word of God, I must declare to us that all of this is very real and that we must do everything that God tells us here to protect ourselves. And again, as we've said often, it really is somewhat easier for us to imagine the demons when we look into the faces of those ISIS Arab terrorists and at the awful cruelty that they inflict. And surely demons are the controlling influence in those terrorists. But again, God is telling us here that the demons you and I need to recognize and to protect ourselves from are the ones that are much closer to us, sometimes within our own homes. Domestic violence is rampant in our world today. And many who are the worst at mistreating their families are those who claim to love them the most. And they probably really believe that. But then also mistreatment comes from our neighbors, those in our workplaces. And now, as I said a moment ago, more and more often from our government. And again, often without those people knowing that they're being used, probably in most circumstances, they do not know they're being used by what these scriptures call the evil ones. Now, again, another question that has come up often in these messages. Do the people who are unkind and mistreat others have an excuse for their misbehavior? Perhaps as Eve tried to do as she blamed Satan and claimed that she too was a victim, which she was, because she was beguiled. But the answer is no, no excuses are allowed. Each person is personally accountable for all the things they do, even though they are influenced by the evil ones. And as God our Father watches over us, He wants to help us through these struggles and these difficulties, helping us to know what truly is taking place. He doesn't want you and me to always be getting caught up in reducing the difficult circumstances of our daily life to just personal cuss fights, because that's where most of the disagreements go to. Rather, He wants us to instead know that the real enemy is there influencing those there in front of us. And why does he do that? He wants us to respond to the ones who are doing that, who are mistreating us with the kindness of Christ. So then, looking back at our scripture text for today, 
we're told here that yes, yes, we really do have enemies, very evil ones, enemies who hide within their invisible realms of darkness, but they reach over across into our world and attack us with their flaming arrows. And they do that at every opportunity. And God is exhorting us here to put on the protection that we'll need, that He provides, so that we can resist those attacks. Because these are the only forms of of protection against those attacks. Verse 16 again. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil ones. Now, the in addition to all that's mentioned here are all those other pieces of the armor. Some we've already put on, but you and I have to put on every piece of this armor if we're going to be fully protected. Now, in earlier messages, we've spoken about girding our loins with this precious truth of Christ. And we put on this breastplate of Christ's imputed righteousness. And we have shod our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And now today, we're told to take up this shield of faith with which we'll be able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Here in these words, the weapons used against us are described as being flaming arrows. Flaming arrows. Some translations render it fiery darts of the wicked ones. What exactly are those fiery darts of the wicked ones, those flaming arrows? What do they look like to you and me? Our minds go first to real darts that can hurt us physically, and they can be that, but most often not. Most often those fiery darts and those flaming arrows that are spoken about here, they're words words that come out of people's mouths. They are disputes and lies and accusations and deceitful arguments and gossip and all such things as that. Jeremiah 9 verse 8, Their tongue is a deadly arrow. It speaks with deceit. Romans 3 verse 13, Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of poisonous snakes is under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Again, yes, the words do come from people. But their source is the evil one, the devil, spoken about here. And that's exactly what Jesus had said about the devil at an earlier occasion. In John chapter 8, he said of the devil that he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. What are some of the familiar lies that the devil whispers in your and my ear and all of those people that we come into contact with every day? What are some of the lies that he whispers into each of our ears? In an article that I read recently, the writer listed a few. The devil says... You can't trust God. Where was he when you were suffering so much? Where was he when that earthquake took place or that tornado took place? Where was God? The devil says, and by the way, some of these sound pretty good, but they have problems. The devil will say, you need to make more money. 
and quit just living from paycheck to paycheck with the focus being on the money. The devil says, your worth has to do with how good you look. Do you look good? And it has to do with what your achievements are. The devil says, you need to take control of your own destiny. The devil says, why should you forgive that person for the things they've done to you? The devil says, God surely won't forgive you after what you've done. And the devil asks, what is your purpose for wanting to even keep on living? And the devil says, yes, you have cancer. And for that kind of cancer, there's no hope. Lies. Lies. And they continue on and on. You can think of many yourselves. Now imagine the harm that even one of those fiery darts can do if it is firmly embedded into you or into one of your loved ones. Those lies have the potential of causing untold damage. I'm sure that it takes away peace from the hearts of many and throws them into depression. Wounds like those can just change the whole course of a person's life. And consider also that if the devil is whispering those lies into your ears, he is also whispering those same lies into the ears of everyone that you know. Your co-workers, your neighbor, your friends, your family members. And the next response that comes out from your mouth to them or from their mouth to you is often one of those fiery darts. Too often it's one of those fiery darts. Consider this for a moment. What is your average day like? Most of us have each of these folks mentioned here all around us to one extent or another. We have neighbors, we have co-workers, we have friends, we have family. And each of them is suffering through the same difficulties that we are in our daily life. And to add to that, these evil ones are whispering into their ears about you and about the things that you've done to cause them to have bad feelings towards you, to provoke them to anger and frustration and distrust, even to the point where they might even despise you. And it seems to you that most everything that comes out from their mouth is a painful, fiery dart. And in your rush to get your life going this morning, you did not spend time with the Lord, reading His Word, praying for yourself and for others. And by not doing that, you did not put on the armor of God. And without that armor... You're completely exposed and vulnerable to all of those painful darts that gets launched against you. Hurting words, accusing words, distrusting words. And before you know what's taking place, you're either believing the things that they're saying to you or about you, or else you're up in arms and ready to fight. Neither of which the Lord wants you to be involved in. Fiery darts give me the picture of a very painful attack. From descriptions that I've read about darts, some of them are made with little barbs on their tines to hold them in place once they have pierced their target. And so it is with these fiery darts that are flung at us by others. And again, some of those who are flinging those darts at us, we love, we genuinely care for them. 
And unfortunately, those darts can stick into our hearts and remain there for a long, long time. Do you have some of those darts that are hanging on to your heart? Thanks be to God, He has provided us the perfect remedy and the perfect protection against those fiery darts. This shield of faith. And here again, I love the way God gives us visual imagery to help us to understand what He's saying to us. And especially in this instance here with the shield. The shield that's being spoken about here is likely to have been one of those oblong door-shaped shields, about four feet by two feet. And it's curved to curve around the soldier's body. And when those shields are joined together with other shields, they can form a wall behind which a number of soldiers can hide themselves from the rain of those arrows coming from the enemy. Now that kind of shield most often was made of wood with leather on the outside. The wood was able to deaden the shock of the arrows and the leather helped in some way to extinguish the arrows, the flames in the arrows. Now a metal shield would not have worked as well. Often deflecting the arrows off onto a fellow soldier, injuring them. The image that God gives us here of a shield of faith is, is such an excellent illustration for us. Faith is the first essential element of our relationship with Christ. He's our protector and He's our shield. And while we're able to receive personal protection through our faith, when we join with other members of the body of Christ, and that is such an important part of the church family, when we join together with other members of the body of Christ, our united faith can become a provision for all those around us as those shields would protect all of the soldiers behind them. Now imagine back again in our thoughts about what takes place today or tomorrow, this week. Imagine for a moment as you walk down through the hallways perhaps of your workplace and one of your co-workers gives you one of those barbed looks or makes some sort of a barbed comment to you. Instead of that dart sticking into your heart and staying there and bringing pain and frustration all the day, it instead sticks into your shield of faith. And yes, it hangs there, but it is quickly extinguished by your faith. And you're able to move on then from that incident. Or take another circumstance, those within our homes. There are many ongoing arguments taking place just below the surface between a husband and a wife. And every moment seems to provide a perfect opportunity for one or both to fling these fiery darts at the other one. Without that shield of faith, the dart just hangs there bringing more and more pain. Pain added to yesterday's pain. But with the shield of faith held solidly in place, those fiery darts get extinguished. And also, with that shield of faith like the wooden shield, that shield of faith does not deflect those fiery darts over to hurt someone else, perhaps your children or 
others near you, causing them to suffer. The fiery dart is taken care of immediately and extinguished right there by that shield of faith. How are we supposed to put on this shield of faith? We do it first by receiving Christ as our Savior and Lord. No exception, no other way. We must believe in Christ and we must receive Him into our souls as Savior and Lord. Let me emphasize, a lot of people believe in Christ, but they have not received Him as their Savior. An eternal difference. It is then and only then, after we have received Him as Savior and Lord, that He can be that shield of faith to protect us from those fiery darts. So what is that shield of faith then made of? The Roman one was made of wood and leather. What is the shield of faith in Christ made from? Hebrews 11.1 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is a very mysterious thing. It has this mysterious ability for us to believe in someone, Christ, and something, His ways, that you can't see. You can't see, you can't perceive with any of your natural senses, but yet you can believe in it. Faith is the substance of all that you and I hope for and the evidence of things not seen. And by that is meant that through faith in Christ, those things that are not in existence actually can come into existence. Just as how Christ first spoke all of creation into being. All He did was speak and all of existence came into being from nothing. And that's what He promises to us. But how does faith then work as a shield that will protect you and me from those fiery darts that are coming at us from others? Faith in Christ provides you and me with a whole different perspective about the people who are flinging those darts at us. Faith tells us not to return evil for evil. Faith tells us that that other person is simply responding to the fiery darts that have been flung at them and they're hurting. They're hurting people. Faith tells us that a soft answer turneth away wrath. Faith encourages us to reach out and to help that other person rather than fling fiery darts back at them. Verse 6 of Hebrews 11 tells us without faith, It's impossible to please God. For anyone who comes to Him must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Those words tell us that after we have surrendered our lives to Christ, after we have received Him as Savior and Lord, we must diligently then continue to pursue after Him every moment of every day. And then He Himself will become our defender and our shield. No other way. No other remedy. Listen as I close. In addition to all, take up the shield of faith with which you'll be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Let's pray.